So um, this is our series, um, part of our Standing in the Rubble series. We're looking at spiritual discipline, spiritual formation, um, how we understand, um, how we form, forge, practice spiritual disciplines um, in light of this new landscape um, to step in and prepare ourselves, to prepare our hearts for the new. Today, um, I'm joined by Mike Andrea. Um, Guy, we um, welcome Mike. We became friends um, through wildfires. That's where we connected. That's where we got to know each other a little bit. Mike is the driving force behind making wildfires happen. Um, seems to me that um, Pete, some others maybe have a lot of ideas, and it seems to be Mike that um, brings them into reality and ends up with lots of tents on a field and lots of generators running and lots of teams making things happen. And um, well, they're the yeah the driving force behind wildfires but also leader of glow generation um church and um like i say really inspiring character and someone who i have seen and observed just exude generosity and a real heart to serve and fabulous at raising people up in service so welcome mike thanks for joining us today so good to be with you and um yeah i mean I could say very similar things about you doing what you do is remarkable um but yeah such a joy to be here with you yeah no, thank you so how um obviously i want to get on to um the whole spiritual formation stuff and um generosity and serving but before we dive into that maybe how how has lockdown been for you um personally and as a as a church well, I think personally and as a church, they were quite combined um, because we we had a lot of foresight anyway of what was coming because of managing 24-7 prayer. And so when lockdown arrived, it wasn't kind of, um, we weren't taken by surprise. But I think that week when the announcement was made, I think everyone was like, crikey, <laughs> what do we do now? Even though we'd kind of had plans and thoughts and were already implementing things. But you know, I'm suddenly driving my daughter back from university and she's like, oh, I'll be back in a few weeks. I'm thinking, mm, no, you won't. And my son, like thinking, brilliant, I've finished school forever and they're going to bump my exams. And I'm like, silver lining. And, and then just this reality of like, actually, whether it's the local church or the communities around the world, the community and friendships of wildfires, we're suddenly being thrust into a moment that, we probably talked a lot about, but never thought we'd have to manage. And um, for me, I just, uh, I had to make a decision in my heart. I was like, am I ever going to believe God in this and believe that everything that he's spoken over us as a family, over us as a church, over us as a movement, that either stands or it doesn't. And I chose for it to stand. I was like, he said promises in mind of all this stuff. So that's the way that we're going to live, lead and lean into and then obviously suddenly being thrust into doing church online we were we decided to stay live um and that was suddenly very different that my nature of leading is to release everybody else and suddenly every week it's me and stella from our the view of our bedroom not the bed but we have this stunning view of the town and hope my daughter running production in the next room and some tech guys on the phone leading us through it was like suddenly thrown to the polar opposite of what i kind of nurtured in my leadership style to do but the whole time i just thought this is a moment and um, it's going to last quite a while 
but what God has spoken over the church, over the family, over the movement has not changed. So therefore I'm going to live and lead accordingly within the parameters of what COVID would allow. And, um, and that was kind of like the moment I live by the sea, Adam. So I'm not going to lie to you. It could have been worse. I mean, I've walked my dog on the beach every day. Um, the, sun, the weather's been amazing. Uh, all of that. So I'm like, I count the small blessings in it. But I've, what I realise is actually the thing I've anchored into is the promises of God over us and just not veered away from that. Yeah, amazing. And I think that um, holding on to those promises, I think when the storm comes, um, having those things that, you know, God's spoken this over my life. God gave me this promise. God, God, you know, had this prophetic word or had this sense, I think is, it's important to have those, um, it's important to have those moments, but then it's important to trust in those moments, isn't it? I think particularly to kind of go, look, God said this, so I'm going to believe it because in, in a world where trust is gone, um, you trust in the God who is trustworthy, I think. So, um, yeah, I think that's really important. And then, but then for you as a church, because obviously we talked about going online, but what about all the community stuff? Because similar to us, you've been involved a little bit in the community. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I think my words were, I, I walked into, a, I mean, we've got 40,000 square foot of warehouse, uh, an access point of three towns that behaves like a city. And my line to the team was like, this is why we're here. And it was like, work out what has to and can convert to digital means. So counselling hubs, education cycles, um, the clothing banks, how could you get resources online? Also aware of obviously data poverty, of those that aren't online. Though it's very rare that you see a rough sleeper without a smartphone nowadays. So like, I, I kind of thank God for that, you know. But this thing of like, whatever can go digital, make it digital. And whatever the cost we have to do this and um so we treated every cost like it was um just an essential piece of the kingdom and see questions would come up quickly do we have the money i'm like well if we haven't i just know that god will provide it we need to position ourselves for the service of the poor and whatever the word poor means across all classes of society and then the venue itself converted over to an emergency government hub um, similar to what you guys are and we were getting the lists that no one else gets and we were getting the requests from central and local government that no one else could kind of resolve and it was like if you could engage with this issue or this area what would you do ranging from medical medicine distribution through to like connecting with the most vulnerable and isolated to dealing with food um, uh, distribution and such like and um, we so we just said well we're going to say yes to this but always even before any of this we would always say if we're going to do something what would it look like if glow did it i used to work for virgin many many years ago and so the thing that i love about virgin and the branson group is um their permanent emphasis on the customer and in the early years it was really strong and then also their emphasis on their staff and um and so they're real the thing was like you know virgin did it what would it look like a bit like the carlsberg's advert as well you know and so I, that was our lines up what would it look like what would be the kingdom touch to it and not just here's some food or here's your medicine what's the bit that draws someone closer to the ultimate provision of knowing jesus 
and uh, our local authorities know that we think that way the government know that we think that way and they ask us why we think that way because they see the results of the stuff that we do anyway and it's always based in prayer and authentically loving people and so we decided that everything we could do would continue we just needed to find the route for it to work and um and at that point, it's really important to understand we weren't a food bank. We supported a regional food bank. Their depot, their distribution points in our complex on our warehouse site. But we thought, you do what you're good at and we're, we're good at providing into that. But then suddenly we created this challenge of being this distribution. And, uh, but we behaved like it was like wildfires or an event we do locally like in a park. And we were like, we're going to do this like it was an event. And the teams were amazing. And so they've provided over 17,000 meals, um, hundreds and hundreds of prescriptions delivered, uh, hundreds of like befrienders. I mean, it's just phenomenal. But 15, 16 weeks ago, we were kind of like, you know, don't do this. But we thought, well, this is where Jesus would go. So we're going to try it. Um, and that brought us into conversations with local authority and the government. And one of the moments that really was significant for us was I was sat on a digital round table as such with lots of charities and the government and local authority and everybody was like, yes, we can provide this, we could do that. But it was always backed up with, but you'll need to pay for this. And I just sat there and I, and I understand why, because I mean, you need money to make these things happen. But I just felt the Lord speak to me and say, this is not you. And so I just texted the, um, the chief executive of the council and I said, uh, we won't ask for money from you until we've bled our reserves dry because that's, this is the reason we are here. And, um, and she phoned me afterwards and was crying on the phone and just said, no one in her history of being in that level of leadership has ever done or said anything like that before. And I went, but that is the way of the kingdom. And I was like, I do get why people are saying it, but we're not here to make money out of you. The irony is, is that we've received more resource than we've ever done. Right. And I'm like, that's God's economy, right? You know, give it away and he'll just keep topping you up, you know? And, um, but really what's been beautiful is the relationship's gone to a whole new level. And where there's such a respect for our faith in this, and we've been in this for 20 years, but there's this language that's changed. And they're like, we just know when you say yes, it's like a yes in everything. Mm. And, it's, and it's authentic. And that's the word I'm looking for. So it's thrown the church locally into an incredible position um, where now we're beginning to engineer ideas for the autumn. Um, and what does summer look like? We live by the sea. So my language of the beach is like, you know, like, drink wine, watch sunsets together. It's kind of my language. Like, you know, embrace where we are because when the night's closing, this is going to get harder again. Yeah. But then we'll be in, imagining engineering stuff like that. We've launched a ministry of fun that anyone in the area can connect to. Um, people can access resources. We've got bereavement listeners and all of that lined up. But when we just kind of lent into the, what's going on, I thought, where, where would we want to be as a church? Where would Jesus be? regardless what it costs and um and so far you know lord it's worked so that's what we're doing that's amazing amazing and and yeah really encouraging as well and you know i think we've known each other for a few years through the wildfires um two or three years through the wildfires thing and, um 
and I think there always has been this sort of resonance um, between the churches when I listen to how your church operates and what you do and um, I think there are also similarities but I like I say I've um, the thing that has shone for me I mean obviously the the ability to put a festival on that get that sort you know that get get it done attitude organize you're amazing that sort of stuff but the, the, the thing that has shone for me with you Mike is that spirit of generosity and um, I'd just love to talk about that a bit more um, is that something you've always had or is that something you've you've had to forge choose um, is that um, where does that come from it's both I mean um, Greek Orthodox dad English mum um, grew up in the Greek Orthodox culture and so that was big family tables big food big life big everything you know my big fat Greek wedding is a good um, parallel I, I mark my words so the idea of what, what's mine is yours has always been in me and I would say that to you you arrived at 11 at night I'd be like let me feed you what do you need well you know and, and not just what do you need I want to bless yeah. And I, I, I just get great joy in giving. I just think when we give, it just unleashes something that's just so beautiful and powerful. But the benchmark verse for me, though, actually is, ironically, is John, John 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved that he gave his one and only son. But I lean into, for God so loved that he gave. You know, now, obviously, for salvation, we lean into the whole message of Jesus. But out of authentic love, there's generosity it's an expression of love and so i'm like you know if we want to if we want to see transformation we want to see change we will give our way into that and through it and i've never ever experienced god not pay the bill i've experienced 11th hour moments when it's been like this is tight and um you know like so we have a, a stunning complex and when people come in they think that we must have so much money. And like yourselves, we host some of the poorest wards in the United Kingdom. In fact, two of them are in the top 1%. And, um, and so we, we're not surrounded by like serious cash. We're surrounded and made up by serious, generous people. They're caught with that value in them. And within that, we, um, we go into this complex and like the Lord told us to go. So we went and we figured if we had to meet in this warehouse, just as a warehouse with rubbish floors and terrible toilets, that's fine. But he, um, he just led us every step and provided each time to be able to renovate a space that became, we would call a city within the city. That's our vision for our complex. You know, it can burn down with a match and that might happen one day, but while it's there, it's a city within the city and we are the population of that drawing others in but when we were going after that we just said to the church like i said the narrative over the area is that it's poor it's one of the poorest of poor places and all this kind of stuff and that always bothers me because i feel the narrative of the kingdom that's within me the language that god has given me through scripture supersedes that whatever the statistics say and when it comes to generosity is like you know i believe that you we give our way out of poverty I'm like, we're never not going to have the poor with us because Jesus said that, but we can change the narrative of thousands of lives by being generous. And it doesn't, it's not just money, it's people, it's thought, it's attitude, it's cars, it's spare rooms. It's, you know, I was aware of the guys in Manenberg where when lockdown began, they invited some drug addicts and prostitutes into their home to live with them through lockdown. And their attitude was, 
12, 14 weeks of like hardcore discipleship from darkness into light. I'm like, that's generous, you know, what is it we can do? And so that's kind of like come partly out of my Greek culture is what's the table that we lay. But then there are moments as I grew up when I became a Christian that I could feel that thing kind of really reacting in me and even toward the church. When we started um, the youth and community work that we do, it was in reaction, if not rebellion to the church, because there was all these buildings, 50 of them in an area, and no one opened them up to the broken on the street. It was just like we're going to do a good little youth group. So I'd go and borrow buildings and fill it up with all the, the naughty ones. And of course, naughty things happened, but we then saw a phenomenal move of God amongst these young people and hundreds of them got saved. Many of them now lead in churches and organisations. We just took what we had, we applied it and we borrowed what we didn't and the Lord grew it. Mm. Uh, one story for you personally is I remember I used to have to borrow people's cars. And it, you know the deal, when you borrow a car, you give it back with the same fuel and all that. By my decision that I'd always give double back. So I remember driving back one night um, from somewhere I'd borrowed a car for. And as I came towards home, I was looking at the fuel and it was really low. And I just felt like the enemy and me kind of go, you know, just, just put a tenner in it. And I was like, for that one whisper, I was like, right, I'm filling it up. And every time I've just reacted when I've had that whisper of like, do less. I'm like, well, I'm going to do double at least of what that's going on inside of me. And, um, and that's been our attitude. Even in COVID, I've just figured I would rather lose my salary and feed the poor um, than not feed the poor and just keep everything working fine. It's as simple as it gets. And so it's, it's been there both. I love that. I love that. And it fits, you know, it's one of the things that we, um, it fits, I think, with some of the stuff we've been talking about as a church um, over the last few years, really, when we talk about giving, we talk about um, giving as the antidote to not enough. Um, yeah. So if you feel, every time you feel like you haven't got enough, then um, then our response should be to give. And I think that's a biblical principle. As, you know, the Israelites came out of um, slavery, out of this culture of not enough, which had been embedded in them for 400 years. God says, well, okay, now, now give. Tithe give 10% but also give the first fruit so giving should be a habit but it should be an instinct as well which touches on what you were touching on there like giving as an instinct is um is just a um profound um profound way of forming us our character i think of, of forging our spiritual character our spiritual depth because we um as we receive anything our instinct should be to give away um as we and, and to bless to do the over and above to do I, I love that story and um and then the third way is when god says and then consider the poor so in, on top of giving us a habit on top of giving us an instinct with your first fruits also consider the poor um so giving us a perspective and again you touched on that in the well it's more important for me that the poor are fed and i and because we live in a world that's always telling us to look up that's always yeah. telling us to look at those who have you know there's these statistics aren't there we're all we're all 20 percent away from having enough um however much you've got you're 20 percent away um so um actually considering looking the other way is a profound shift in our character so and everything you've just said fits into that and um yeah so really yeah really encouraging so um but what if um so what would you speak into i guess that is because that's stuff that you've been working on for a while um 
but speaking to the church, our church, the church, um, in, in lockdown, in this new landscape, how do we practice um, generosity? How do we practice serving in this landscape? We have three values in Glow. It took us 10 years to name them. Um, the first 10 years, we had every strap line under the sun. It changed every year. And then on our 10th anniversary, we were like, worship, community, generosity. That's what we are. Right. And, um, and so we addressed all three of those headlines as we entered into COVID very clearly. Um, stayed orientated around the promises of God over us. But when it came to generosity, I just found myself kind of, I don't know if it was prophetic, but there was an anointing on it as I said it. And I went, um, let's not give up on giving. And I just, as I said it, you, could you kind of just feel it reverberate everywhere. Like, this is not a negotiable thing. And um, not to survive, not to keep the church rent paid and anything like that. It's like, this is crucial right now, spiritually. And I think that one of the biggest weapons that we wield is that if we're going to love well, we're going to have to be generous with it. And, um, and the enemy, you know, at the beginning of COVID, like society's natural reaction um, is to also rise up in a positive way. We're all going to pull together. Let's get through this together. And <coughs> everybody's doing it. But now you'll find statistically that national generosity is on the redu is reducing now it's simmering down people are getting nervous or they want to have more beer money and oh, we are going to go on that holiday as nuts as i think you would be if you're going to right now <laughs> abroad anyway um but the uh so the world's response is, is already tapering off and this is the moment where the church really stands firm and so i as i actually knowing that we were going to do this i was sort of thinking about you guys and thinking look what is Give me a word. Give me a word for you, and um, and I was taken back to um, the widow and the olive oil and the jars being continually filled, and it was like Elijah or Elisha, where so they're in famine, and there isn't enough to go around, and as the prophet arrives, she's like, you know, we're we're doomed. This is all going wrong, and his response is he gives her a word to begin to pour the oil. And she pours enough oil to sell at market and to survive the famine. And I would suggest to give away. But the actual thing at the beginning was that the initial response is the widow has to obey the basic principle to see the miracles of God around me and therefore affect other people. I have to just do the simple instructions of the Lord. And that is to give of what I've already got. And I think for you, for us, the, but I do think this is a word for you guys in season is now is the time to intentionally that when you give, you're like, Lord, I'm giving out of that one olive oil jar. But I know that as I give the promise over us is that you're going to cause this flow to not stop until we're through the other side and not just through the other side, but you're through the other side with your vision intact. You've, served the neighbor you've blessed the homeless you've gone for the most marginalized in these times and you've not given up on generosity the widow could have said no sir i need to keep this and preserve it for as long as it will take yeah no she just went okay i'm going to take you at the lord's word and she began to pour we must be a people that don't say no sir 
I'll do this at the end or I'll give an offering next year or I'll, I'll do some regular giving in three months time. This is not the time. This is the time to go. My confidence is in the Lord. And when it comes to my stuff, this is how I will live it out. You know, I, one of the things that saddens me, Adam, in the cultural church today is the diminishing theology of the tithe. Right. Um, it saddens me because people say, well, it's, it's old church. It's old Testament. It's, it's an old theology. And, you know, as much as I love, we live in a world now where our learning is so accessible. Um, I was taught just basic principles as a baby Christian, you know, and one of those was tithe. It belongs to the Lord. There was no mucking about. There was no apologizing for it. There was no feathers on it. It was like, it belongs to the Lord. And I was like, I had a fear of God that was healthy and was like, if it's the Lord's, then it's his, you know. So I remember I would get a brown pay packet and I would take 10% of that brown pay packet and I was taught by someone else who used to have their brown pay packet and I'd have 10 other envelopes and they were all written on for what they were to pay. One of them just said the tithe. And what I realized is that when we do just the basic thing that the Lord asks us to do, expansion financially does occur. When we go above and beyond, we should have no expectation for that to come back to us for more. It's an offering, but God can't help himself. Yeah. Because God so loves you that he'll give. And it's like we lose the basic, simple principles. You don't drink enough water, you get a headache. You don't brush your teeth, you stink like a dog. You don't get enough sleep, you're grumpy in the morning. You know, if you don't do your food shop at the right time, if you've got kids, they're going to riot. It, you know, the basics. But when you do the basics and they live in the order that they should, it releases something. And, you know, I just feel, I see the church as these olive jars. It's like, come on, I dare you to just begin to pour, not preserve, to pour. Now's the time to pour. And, um, and I, I think there's going to be a narrative that's going to come out of you guys. It's going to be quite illuminating. And Adam, I was praying for you and your leadership. And I just felt this is like, you know, big faith um, provides big dividends not reckless faith just big faith gives big dividends and you know all the funders and traders and trusts that hold this money you know they're worried about their dividends next year but i say to you big faith will command big dividends and um and i think there's a story coming out of you guys over these next few months that others are going to come and hear because you didn't give up on what you were called to do and one of those things is that you are called to give. Yeah. No, thank you, Mike. Really appreciate that and appreciate your your word there. And that um that really resonates. And um and it speaks into I I love the um you know, this whole spiritual formation is about um the simple instructions. You know, we're looking at um we're looking at worship, we're looking at prayer, we're looking at giving, we're looking at we're looking at these these um getting into the word and um i we're looking at these these simple the simple aspects of our faith but that are so formational um to us as we as we step into the new um so yeah no really appreciate your your input on that thank you so much uh, thank you for your um your continued and growing friendship um through this and just so much blessing on what you're doing out there as well 
I believe like like me uh, and Rachel, you and Stella are taking August off. So um, yeah. congratulations on that. Um, I think well earned. Um, and yeah, let's um, let's see where we head. And um, I'm excited about wildfires next year. Yeah, and you know, just want to say to you all, you know, when when there are, the Bible talks about fasting and feasting, so maybe this year is like the mother of all fasts. So hey, let's get to feast next year. We're confident it's going to be fine and running. Um, we for no other reason that we're just confident it'll be okay. But um, if you managed, if you, any of you managed to watch online as well, because you yeah, haven't come, fabulous. You know, and we're going to do some wildfires online stuff in the autumn as well. So, um, so we're encouraged with that. But um, let's come together next year and feast together yeah. and yeah. actually look at what the Lord has done amongst us. And we're praying for revival. I do feel this is part of the perceptive moment of revival. Yeah. Some of these things we're lamenting, we're praying, we're turning our hearts in new ways. Um, stuff's happening. It's very exciting. Yeah. Thanks so much, Mike. Really appreciate that. 